spirit leading this realm There's a God up in heaven, there's a devil in hell There's a mother, she's crying, cause her babies are dying And the father in jail, with a son by his side But our father, he loves us, unlike any of us Gave his only beloved, 316 on the cross I know where you're going, if you live in that light Don't be perfect among us, but in the dark we are light Spreading the news If you live in a lie You ain't gonna die with the truth This is Matt and Mom Live It's real, it's raw, it's relevant The show is about the topical, the conversational But most importantly, the purposeful We hope to develop and distribute hope to the broken We pray that this show blesses you today all right, we're back at it again a week later. This is Matt and Mom live. It's real. It's raw. It's relevant. We are going to kick off this show with where we left off last week in our show. If you are um, wanting to find out what we've been through and where we've been in these topics, please go to our archives. You can find it at com, the tab Matt and Mom Live, or click on the Facebook link, which would have our podcast. It'll take you to the actual podcast site where you can find all of our previous episodes. We start off just with where we left off. And we were in the middle of talking about this one parable. I keep stressing this. It's one parable with three stories. We're talking about the third story or the third aspect in this parable. And it deals with Jesus telling the people his audience, the Jewish audience, in the front in front of the religious folk, the character of God, the character of himself. And he talks about a shepherd leaving 99 to get one sheep. He talks about a woman losing a coin out of 10 and, and searching the house frantically. And then he gets into a story about a father with two sons. We only ever highlight the first son. We, re- we don't realize that there's a second son. That's why it, it'd be, we'd, be, we'd be amiss if we titled this The Prodigal Son. We learned in the last show that the definition of prodigal is extravagantly wasteful or wastefully extravagant to spend something recklessly. We learned that the only reason we call it the prodigal son is because of one word in one of the verses. It says he went and he wasted all of his his father's resources with prodigal living. So we as humans, we title it the prodigal son. However, we're going to discover that maybe the father was a little bit more prodigal than the son. Both sons. And we talked about the son going and finding himself in a foreign land, wasted all that he had, and he's in a pig pen. He comes to himself. He wants to go home and apologize. But it wasn't because he was embarrassed. There was a change of behavior, and we know that from the contemplation that he had. And it tells us, he says, maybe I can go back and say, Father, I've sinned against heaven. Right there he realizes the ultimate sin is against God first, and I've sinned against you. And I'm not even worthy to be called your son. He understood that. I'm not even worthy. What I did was basically blasphemous. I wanted the inheritance before you were even dead. It would have been better for you to be dead so I can have my money is basically what he requested. And he said, make me like one of your servants. Now here he is in our text, Luke chapter 15, and he's going home. It says, and he rose and came to his father. And we can really talk about what that might have felt like going home. What were his um, subsequent thoughts was he hesitant? Did he back out? Did he say, oh, this isn't going to work out? Um, but we'll even highlight further where the father was when he came home. And then we'll go probably back and forth, Mom, about your experience with um, – you're a mother of four boys. And if you're new and you're listening out there, 
you are a wife, a successful marriage to my father, your husband. Um, to most, it would have been what? The all-American family? Oh, for sure. You know, he, dad's in law enforcement, retired, current undersheriff of the county. You're a home. homemaker. <laughs> you wrote uh, for parenting magazines, and you wrote a Family Matters column. And, yes. Was and involved, taught my kids. We were all athletic. Yes. And um, I'm the youngest. Mike's ahead of me. Went to the Naval Academy. Anthony was a pro soccer player. And then we had John. And John had so much talent. He was an intellect. Um, Such a deep reader. Deep, deep reader, deep thinker. And I think, you know, where John may have went wrong was – now, we'll never know, but could it have been that he was always measuring himself up to other people, but in, especially maybe his brothers? Well, he did. He he had shared that with me. He, John is deceased. He died in 2005. And I, I, I know for sure John suffered with depression, which is a whole other topic. And yes, when people around you are moving forward and you're stuck because you're involved in something like drug abuse, which a lot of times depression, people that have chemical imbalances move towards because it helps them feel better. Um, I think that John always felt a little bit inferior at this point, especially as he began to get, he was the oldest brother and he wasn't the one that was, you know, blazing a trail, so to speak. And yet, we want to talk about the prodigal. How did he look coming back? I could tell you. Because Stop calling the prodigal, please. I know you hate that. I'm sorry, but everybody out there is going to relate to the prodigal son. But that's son. what we have to get away from because okay. it's not – when you realize it's not the prodigal son, it is our prodigal father. Oh. According to the definition, well, who was this, more prodigal, so. the son or the father? Right. And we're going to learn as the story unfolds that it was most likely the father. Okay, let's call him the lost son. Well, that's that's what my Bible actually says. It says the parable of the lost son. Okay. But then even that's wrong, Mom, right, because we deal with there's a second son. And he's and he's just as lost. So right. it should be the parable of the two lost sons. That's true. That's true. All right. So what I was going to say was when my lost son would come back home after being out of the house for a long time, depending on how deep he was going with his drug use, he would look so beat, so forlorn, so destitute, and so sorry that almost to just see him standing there when he would knock on the door would just drive your heart right to your feet. So were there times where you were waiting? Are you kidding? Maybe, all right, so were, was there periods where... <laughs> Every single day. You knew he left? And the next day you were waiting for him to pull in the driveway, and he never did. And the next day you went back to the window and waited. Were there periods like that? Oh, absolutely. The The waiting is forever when they're gone. You think about them all the time. You're wondering where they're at. You're hearing rumors of what they're doing. Um, and that just weighs you down even more. I have a story. I'm working on a new book. I haven't really come up with the title yet, but it's something on the theme of emotions too deep to speak and we all have them those things that have happened in our lives that if we even try to verbalize them they're very hard to get out without becoming an emotional wreck but I think they're important to talk about because they're those low moments in your life where God sees you through and one of them is a chapter I have right now is called waiting by the window and it was prior to this teaching it just happens to be you know a deep thought of mine of what that felt like to just constantly 
wait and wonder. And there was a time when John was out of the house and I was passing a seedy hotel, motel that's right down the street from us. And I just got done teaching Bible study. I was on this proverbial high. It was a really good study. And, and suddenly my eyes lock with this young man who's my son smoking a cigarette in front of this horrific drug motel. And we both stare at each other. And everything in you as a mom would be what? You want to stop the car. You want to get out and go, wow, what's going on? How long are you staying? And what, how can we, but we had been through the conversation. How could we help? He was not ready for help. And I had to ride past him and come home. And I won't talk about. It's okay. If you are listening, you can't see. This is why she said emotions too deep to, to share. Mom got a little emotional there. It's rehashing her lost son, her one lost son. And if you're out there and you're a parent and you can relate to that, seeing a son or a daughter, and when they leave that house, it's like you don't know where they're going, where they're going to end up, and that gut check that you may feel. And a lot of times we want to rush into the situation and help. And hopefully when we understand the character of God, even in his infinite mercy and grace and love, he allows us to go. And the good father in this story allows his son to go and it would have taken everything in his long suffering not to intervene and intercede and he had the resources to do so however he also understood that his son needed to feel rock bottom need to be stripped of his dignity because it was in that state of desperation and shame that he came to himself and he did come back home and we're at the point of the story where it says when he was a great way off, great way off, just picture a long road, a long driveway into a very large estate, and it says the father saw him. Now you wonder, what? how many days, let me say this, how many days did he go out to the edge of that driveway, like you just said, waiting by the window, and wait for his son to show back up? Maybe that day he woke up, today's the day that my son's coming home. I'm and sure he, went he out, did it every day. And, and at the end of the day, he didn't come back. He didn't come home. I'm sure he did it every day. See, it wasn't a coincidence that from a long way off he saw him. He was a loving father who was patiently and graciously waiting. Eager. He was, and he was, I love the word. He was eager and waiting to forgive. His eagerness to receive his son back. Now, what was the son thinking on that long trek back when he sees his father in the distance? Now, mind you, if we're going to make this into a real-life story, we're certain that the father's character was probably intact even before the son left. So he probably knew, all right, my dad, may, he's still going to be mad even though he's, a, he's been an awesome dad. He's loving me to a point where he's going to have to discipline me. So there he is. I'm sure that he was even shook up. Sure. But what does the father do? This is the most amazing part of the story. And I think any parent can relate to this. And that's why it's crucial that we understand the representation here is that of God the Father. That's right. And it tells us when they were a great way off. His father saw him, had compassion, whatever that looked like, and ran. And ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. So here we have a father who, as opposed to waiting for the son to take those heavy steps, meets him, runs to him. Now the significant piece behind this is a man of dignity back in the day would never be seen running, not only because it was unbecoming of a man, 
but it was because he most likely would have been wearing a dignified robe, and you just didn't run in robes. And I think it was Aristotle who said that that's exactly what it was. It was unbecoming of a man to be seen running. And here you have this father who, in that moment, what happens? He doesn't care about dignity. He only cares about his son, the focus point of his son. And he decides to run, though if anybody was watching, even the slaves or the other people in the estate, they would have said, oh my goodness. But he didn't care. And I think that looks like a, a father who has a son on a soccer field. And you know, he's, maybe the father's a lawyer or a judge and he's, he's a prominent man in society. And as soon as his son gets the soccer ball, what does that father do? He runs up and down the sideline with the son saying, come on boy, go. And you're like, look at this guy. And that's the picture of compassion and love for a child. I want to digress to a thought, though, that you could explain very briefly, which struck me, and I had never known it until um, you wrote about it in a blog when you were in prison. What your father did when he saw you for the first time after you were arrested for drunk driving and killing an innocent man. Yeah, so DUI fatality, um, I had just discovered the tragic news. I only thought I was in a, you know, a motor vehicle collision would be served a DUI. I was fine. My passenger was signed. At the accident scene, I observed, obviously, in the middle of the night, chaos and sirens, but I saw other individuals on the side of the road um, outside of the vehicle that I struck. So in my mind's eye, I'm, I'm thinking, all right, everybody's fine. Oh, I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to lose my license. Oh, my goodness, my parents are going to kill me. And that was as far as I went with that. So hours later, when they pull me into this interrogation room and they tell me basically that, hey, um, brace yourself, and they drop on me the news that a driver died, my world imploded, obviously, and I lost it. Um, so it was only a couple hours after that where they had to get a hold of family. And how you guys found out about it is a story in itself, but Dad would have came up to the Atlantic City State Police Barracks with your brother, my uncle, his brother-in-law. And the crazy thing about this was they didn't, the interrogators didn't know who dad was because I didn't give up any information. And th this is how they found out. We get done going through everything. I told them everything that I remembered. And a secretary walks in and she says, excuse me, there's a chief mayor here for his son. And every single cop in that room looked at me. And the one guy said, are you kidding me? Your father's chief mayor? And I said, yes, sir. And he said, why didn't you tell us that in the beginning? I said, it wouldn't have changed anything. And then dad walked in, and I don't know what he was thinking, but as I do know that he turned his attention to me, and I looked at him, and I'm seated, and he came over to where I was seated, and he kissed me, and he said, we're going to get through this, son. And then he turned. So he, he came in as a father, right? made me feel as comfortable as I possibly can that he was there to support me. And then he turned to his peers and he said, what are we looking at? And it's like he went into law enforcement mode. Yes. And then the second concern of his was to them, I guess being a father and also being in law enforcement, this was probably what you would want to hear as a father. He said, how did my son, considering the circumstances, how did he conduct himself? And the answer may have been what my father needed to hear in that moment. The one police officer said, if this was my son, I would have been proud in the way he handled himself. Mm -hmm. My father wanted to make sure that I was being respectful and forthright in those circumstances, regardless, not a little punk like, you yeah, my daddy's a cop. And 
and I wasn't. And we weren't raised like that. So you had the two aspects behind dad coming in as a father, showing compassion. And if he could have ran and fell on me, he probably would have to be protective. And that's what we learned about this story. The reason why he did run to his son and throw his arms around him. It says he fell on him. Picture that. He fell on him. We might know a little bit more about this action if we understood the culture. You see, in their culture, the Semitic culture, they had the Deuteronomic law. And the law said that if a son left waywardly, disobediently or rebelliously, when he returned, if he was a drunkard or a glutton, and most likely that's what this son was, he was to be punished by death, stoning, because they were supposed to put all evil out. Now, maybe the father understood this, and when he threw himself at his boy and hugged him and wrapped around his neck, he was basically putting out the message, nobody's going to touch my boy. It's remarkable. It's prodigal. It is prodigal for him to do that. So when you think you've done something that is too prodigal, God, the father, will be even more prodigal than you. Throws his arms around his boy, and it doesn't stop there. Because remember that prayer that he rehearsed while he was in the pig pen? He's about to share it, and he gets the first phrase out. He says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And verse 22 is the father not even responding to his prayer or his, for, or his request to be forgiven. He says, it says, but the father said to his servants, bring out their best robe and put it on him. Doesn't even respond. Changes the subject. That is like unbelievable when you think about it. It's total restoration. He's Complete restoration. No, how could you do high... this to me, son? How yes. could you shame my name, son? How could you take what I have given you? No, he completely just turns to a servant, which he doesn't give his son the opportunity to even say, I'd rather be a servant. He turns to his servants and says, hey, let's shower him. Let's, let's be prodigal with what we have because my son is home. And he, you know what it is? It's restore, restoring him back to sonship immediately. So um, I do have a note, and I, I like to share because I, I have – it's the only time – that God is seen in a hurry in the Bible is when he's dying for us. Jesus on the cross, he died within six hours. That was like a pretty decent time frame to die on a cross. People lasted days up there. He was in a rush to die because it was, he was in a rush to redeem us. And here, he's in a rush to bring us home. He dives on his son. So my note says when he is dying for us to bring us back to him and when he's diving on us because we came back to him. Those are the two times in the Bible where we see God is in a rush. He says... Get my best robe and put it on him. So, you know, there's some pretty cool understanding behind even the robe. The father would have had the best robe, or there would have been a robe just for a guest of honor. So for him to turn to the servant, ask for this particular robe, and to put it on his son, is basically saying, you're going to be celebrated today. You're not going to be shamed today. You're not even going to be punished today. You're going to be celebrated today. And you would say, well, that might be foolish. Shouldn't there have been some type of discipline? And, and you know what? The discipline would have came when he came back, the son. There may have been consequences that he had to have lived with from that point forward. That's the discipline. That's a really good point that we can't overlook. And that is, yes, God forgives us, but we do live with the consequences of our sin. I still have consequences from everybody thinks Absolutely. they can look at me and say, oh, well, is that behind you? No, I still live with that. I live with it in such a way where that pain is passion, so I still feel it. Like even I get teared up six, seven years later when I share it in schools. I just did a program the other day, and I got to a point, and I'm reminded of the gravity, and I tear up, and I choke up, and I have to kind of gain my composure. It's still real. It's not robotic. And then I'm on parole. People think, oh, you got done your time. No, I'm still governed by a parole board, which means I am still restricted and restrained. 
and there's still other major consequences that right. I have. And other and, people with their issues, you know, whether it's alcoholism, they have liver issues. If it's an STD, because you be, were promiscuous, right? And again, let's get not just use those overt sins. You know, pride just keeps building in people that have those inward sins. And, sure, and they're just as you know dangerous, just as consequential. Um, put the best robe on him. Put it on him, and we learn that obviously this robe it speaks of identity and. Then he tells him to put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And the ring would, would represent authority. It was like a credit card back in the day to put that back on his son's fingers to say, hey, you may have taken what was yours prematurely, but I'm willing to give you back everything that's mine. And that's prodigal. That's the father, the prodigal father. And the sandals represented um, the only people that didn't wear sandals were the slaves, the servants. So again, the, the son came back just wanting to be a servant, and the father – immediately elevates him back to sonship. That's prodigal. The story would unfold, obviously, if we got into um, the next son, the older son who... Maybe we can do that next show. I think will, that would there's be... Still, there's still that one piece, and I'll just read the verses, and we can kind of end with this. It talks about um, the father also saying, bring the fatted calf here and kill it. What well, was the fatted calf? It was the actual calf that they, they saved. They actually fed to fatten up for just a, a celebration, a time where somebody would be traveling in and they wanted to honor, not a prodigal, not a rebellious son or lost son. This was something that like the oldest son was probably expecting it to be slaughtered for him, for him and his boys, for his obedience, for, for what he did for the father. Yet for the father, said, get that one fatted calf that we've been saving because we're going to have a party. Let us eat and be merry, he says. This here is my son. He was dead and he lives. He was lost and he is found. And it says, and they began to be merry. That's the gospel. When you slaughter the lamb or the calf in the Bible, it was symbolic of the lamb of God being slaughtered on the cross, Jesus. And the reason why we can always go home to the Father is because Jesus went to the cross for us. So no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, you are never too far gone to go back home. There's a father who is prodigal on your behalf. He wants to lavish you with his resources. He wants to restore you to sonship or daughtership. He wants you to come home. He's waiting and watching every single day, looking down the road, looking in the distance, hoping you'll have a change of heart, that you'll come back to him, that you're not allowing the shame to get the best of you. Shame and guilt. They were all pinned to the cross when Jesus died, and he wants to live now inside of you. He wants to give you a new life. The Bible says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Be new now, and we come back to our father, our prodigal father. He doesn't hold our recklessness against us, but he recklessly lavishes righteousness upon us. We will continue these episodes, hopefully stay in this story, and... We're reminding you all that God is in control and be still and know that I am God is, is something that he is whispering to you. It's in Psalm 46.10. He says, be still and know that I am God. I am in control. Let it go. Again, we will see you next week as we revisit this particular topic and we just say God bless to you.
pardon me for his grace. There's a battle out there, spiritly in this realm. There's a God up in heaven, there's a devil in hell. There's a mother, she's crying, cause her babies are dying. And the father in jail, with a son by his side. But our father, he loves us, unlike any of us. Gave his only beloved, 316 on the cross. I know where you're going, if you live in that light. Don't be perfect among us, but in the dark we are light. Thank you, Jesus, I love you. Help me spread the good news. If you live in a lie, you ain't gon' die with the truth. doing something different. Nah, don't you know they've been watching that block that you're on since before my time? Wow. So what makes you think that you're doing something different? You want to do something different? Put your faith in Christ. 